This episode of Gen C is sponsored by Chainalysis, PayPal, and WineChain. Welcome to Gen C. Gen C is Generation Crypto. These are the people who were raised on a different philosophy on how they look at money, how they look at identity, how they look at privacy, and how they reimagine their relationships with the communities and companies they interact with. We focus on how Web2 and Web3 brands are building for these audiences. I'm Sam Ewan from Coindesk, and our co-host is Avery Akinini from Vayner3. Avery, so good to see you. Gen C, episode 31. How's everything going? Oh, it is going so great. Really excited for our guest today. A lot happening in this world of Web3. There's a lot of polarizing headlines in both directions. Depending on who you ask, it's either Web3 is the future and brands are doubling down, or the state of crypto in the United States is in extreme jeopardy. The funny thing from my perspective is both are happening at the same time. So it really depends where your perspective is coming from. Yeah, I think it has been this really weird moment. There's kind of this like black cloud that has like rainbows coming out of it. It's very strange. It's also interesting because I think, you know, it's part of this larger macro political conversation now, which I think no one really wants to have. And then in addition, you know, we also had Rishi Sunak, who's the PM of the United Kingdom, sort of openly welcoming crypto companies to come to the UK, because I think he understands there is such a ton of investment happening in the space that he was sort of saying, hey, if the US doesn't want it, we'll take it here. So it is something that we definitely have to pay attention to. With that said, there's been some really interesting brand moves this week. The first one I wanted to get your opinion on was the collaboration between Adidas and the artist Ferocious. I love Fuel. And yeah, we had Erica from Adidas on the pod, uh, you know, when we were first starting out. So I really was happy to see this come about. But then I wanted to get your thoughts on because Fuo originally, some of his first big work was with Artifact, which was then acquired by Nike. So it's just interesting to see a creative that has sort of worked with the two big pillars of streetwear fashion, Adidas and Nike. And do you think there's any brand challenge with that? Yeah, so huge fan of Fuo. I feel like he's so himself and that's why I love him as a creator and an artist. And I think a lot of brands have sort of gravitate to him. Funny enough, we actually wanted to do something with this, another shoe company with him. So let's see where that goes. But I actually think the nature of creators today is if you're designing things that are unique with a brand, I think exclusivity is not necessary in all cases. And from my perspective, it can be and and not or because what he did with Nike and Artifact is actually quite different than the program that he's looking at with Adidas. And as long as they're not sort of back to back, like in a very short time window, I think you can do really unique programs with brands in the same category, as long as you're not sort of like an ambassador who's working with them exclusively for a number of years. We already are seeing that a lot where, you know, creators are collaborating with a number of different partners and sort of a shift away from that, like, great, I'm in with the so-and-so and in with them forever and exclusively. I don't think that's necessarily true. And, you know, the Adidas Three Stripe Studio that Erica runs, they're really thoughtful around mobilizing Web3 native creators and communities. Knowing them, it's probably been in the works for some time, and I'm sure it's going to be really fun and fabulous. Yeah, the shoes look great. Then they feel so fuo, you know, and anyone who has spent time with him, you know, he has such a bright spirit and kind of brings so much positivity to the space. So I think anyone is lucky to be able to collab with him. And it is also a very different drop, right? The Adidas one is much more mass, whereas the Artifact collaboration, you know, there weren't that many of them made. And it became, you know, it was so early as 2021, I believe. So it is something that I think maybe you're right, that it's sort of an additive, not an either or, especially on the creator side. It's and not or now. It's and, Sam. And for everything. It's always and. Yes, and. All right. Second conversation. You know, we have Tatiana Lupar, who is the global digital director at LVMH Wine, coming up after the break. So 
you know, there is so much that happens around the idea of Web3 and different alcohol brands. I know, Avery, you've done a bunch of that with Diageo. You've also worked with Budweiser. It's not new, but I did see two of our favorite people, Guy Fieri and Sammy Hagar, are coming together to create a tokenized loyalty program around tequila. And they're building this on the NEAR protocol. I'm a big fan of the NEAR ecosystem. So I was really happy to see that. But it really just made me think of, I think there's something amazing about being a celebrity and getting direct access to a community. You know, both like Sammy Hagar has crushed it in the alcohol game. He's one of the first celebs to do that and done really well. Guy Fieri is a popular character, you know, whether you, just for the memes or because you sort of love his like diners and drive-ins show. So the idea that they're creating a loyalty program for two people who already have a lot of loyal fan bases, I thought was an interesting play. Any thoughts on sort of celebrity culture around tokenized communities? Yeah, I think ambassadors always work and they definitely work in alcohol. We've seen this with a number of acquisitions, even shout out to, you know, Constellation for acquiring Gary's wine brand, Empathy Wines. That's absolutely something that's been very effective in the world of beauty and alcohol and a number of other high margin categories. I think that this is amazing. So Guy Fieri is also a great talent. People love working with him. He has sort of mobilized his community behind many different things. And I think because he's so known in the food space, like drink pairing is very sort of a natural fit. I am interested to see how this does. Near is more of an emerging ecosystem. So let's see how that hits with sort of the mainstream Guy Fieri fans and consumers. But I think there's such a natural fit between whether it's fractionalized casking or access to rare spirits or community building, there's such a natural fit with what's happening in the world of wine and spirits and sort of alcohol-based communities and what's happening in the world of Web3. So I will have to check that drop out. Absolutely. I just want to make sure that I don't buy more NFTs after I've drank too much tequila. Yes, exactly. You have to keep those two things as parallel paths. <laughs> right. Keep them all the wallet as far away from me as possible. And then finally, in the world of celebrity, you know, Snoop Dogg, who I think, frankly, has been probably the biggest celebrity participant in the Web3 ecosystem, is basically creating this thing around his new tour, which I thought was like, frankly, fascinating. And I kind of love these types of stories. He's creating a tour poster. The tour poster evolves as his tour evolves. So it's a, you know, a really accessible price point. You get to sort of spend time in the Snoop digital ecosystem. It evolves. I think it comes with things like airdrops and behind the scenes footage of the tour. So it kind of feels a little bit like an all access pass NFT for a celebrity. Again, I don't think there's that many other people who have brought as many people into the NFT ecosystem as Snoop. And he just seems to be committed time and time again to do it. He's also working with the folks over at Transient Labs. We just work with Transient. I really love that team. They're building some amazing tooling for creators to be able to release stuff. Are you going to be collecting a Snoop Dogg tour poster? Maybe. Um, I think that Snoop is one of the celebrities and talents who's been involved in the NFT ecosystem since day one. So what actually makes me excited about this is that, you know, contrary to what we're seeing from a lot of other Hollywood celebrities who were in this in 2021 and haven't been seen or heard from in quite some time, Snoop actually continues doubling down. Some of our listeners may have heard the song that he did with Gary a couple months ago, which was a follow-up from Beacon 2022. I love that Snoop keeps innovating, keeps building his brand, keeps coming up with ways for his fans and community to interact and engage with him. And this evolving movie poster is another great example. So I love his sort of continued commitment to the space, even when the kind of hype cycle hotness has you know, clearly cooled off. What's your take, Sam? Well, I think you know this, but I am a 90s hip hop maxi. Yes. So for me, anything that brings me closer to the artists that I grew up with are things that I want to pay attention to. 
Snoop is always also like he has transcended celebrity. Like what anyone thought when Deep Cover, his first song came out, which was basically about killing police officers to now where he and Martha Stewart are like best buds and Snoop is everywhere. And he's kind of like the friendly spokesperson that everyone wants to hire. It's like truly amazing his evolution. But, you know, and I think we heard this a little bit from Nick Adler when we had him on, but between Snoop's son, Calvin and Nick and with Snoop, like they are in it to really innovate. And I think that is agreed so inspiring because there are a bunch of people who jumped in, you know, a bunch of interesting lawsuits recently about celebrities who kind of propped up the crypto market a little too much. But Snoop is just, he just keeps building and he keeps trying. And, you know, he's very good at making money. Like, I don't want to take that away from him. He will probably do really well on this as well. <laughs> right. He mints money the way we wish we were minting NFTs. But I got to hand it to him that he continues to put in the work or his team continues to put in the work and he continues to be involved in it. He just keeps showing up. So for me, that makes me want to be like, $42? Sure, I will support this because it keeps going. And I think it's something just to keep our eye on also, because I think these things that brought broad amounts of folks in in a really easy, accessible way that are very low cost and are not about the financial speculation of what you're going to get, but let people try, that's sort of the future of where we're going. All right, with that, Avery, after our break, we are going to speak to Shannon Snow, the COO of World of Women, and Satyana Lupar, the Global Digital Director at LVMH Wine, Really excited that you set this up. I've not met either of them, so I'm excited to both meet them. And they both have such amazing careers that I can't wait to talk to them. We'll see you guys after the break. Web3 offers budding opportunities for brands to create more value for their customers, engage fans, and build immersive community. But that doesn't come without its risks. Chainalysis helps Fortune 500 brands better understand and manage the risks in Web3 through proactive assessments, on-chain monitoring, investigations, training, and more, so that they can focus on building a roadmap for long-term growth. Learn more about how Chainalysis can help your company grow in Web3 at chainalysis.com slash gen C. Attention crypto holders, moving crypto is seamless and secure with PayPal. With support for Bitcoin, ETH, and more, you can buy, sell, hold, send, and check out with crypto at millions of shops online. Not to mention, PayPal now supports the ability to send to and from external wallets and charges you nothing when transferring between PayPal and Venmo crypto wallets. Whether you're exploring the world of Web3 or hodling on for another day, PayPal is the convenient and simple way to convert dollars into crypto. PayPal has your back. They work to protect your financial info and give you confidence every step of your crypto journey. Now's the time to make your crypto move. Get started today at paypal.com slash crypto. Terms and conditions apply. NFTs may fade, but the technology lives on. Enter WineChain, the platform unleashing fine wines as an alternative asset class on the Polygon network. Top wineries mint rare cuvées as NFTs, ensuring value backed by physical bottles, tradable on a seamless peer-to-peer -peer marketplace. Enjoy worry-free storage until you're ready to ship, at which point the NFT gets burned for added authenticity. Don't miss out on the perfect blend of wine passion and crypto benefits. Experience unmatched wine asset liquidity when you start your journey at winechain.co today. All right, everyone, welcome back. We are here with two amazing women who we're going to talk to. Shannon Snow, you are the COO of World of Women, and Tatiana Lupart, you are the Global Digital Director at LVMH Wine. Very excited to have both of you on. Welcome to the podcast. It's such an honor. Thank you for having us. First off, I would love to get a little bit of a sense from each of you. How did you land in your current roles? What were you doing before? 
And then I know we want to jump into Web3 as soon as possible. But first, it'd be great to like understand what you're doing before you got into your current positions. Tatiana, let's start with you. Yes, sure. So I'm the Global Digital Director at the uh, Moet Hennessy Wine Division, part of LVMH. I joined the company four years ago to handle everything about consumer engagement, digital, digital innovation as well. I don't come from the wine industry originally. I began my journey in the fine tea industry and then in the beauty goods, working at Clinique, a part of uh, Estee Lauder company, where I spent three incredible years. And then I found my way to Moet Tennessee, and I believe that my primary passion is really digital. So I could work in various industries as long as I continue to grow, to connect with inspiring people, and to have fun in the process. And Shannon? Such an honor to be here. I'm Shannon Snow, COO of World of Women. I spent over 15 years of my career in tech, 10 in Silicon Valley at Google, and most recently five at Meta, helping entertainment companies in the U.S. on their marketing, as well as helping them move into the metaverse. I was inspired by the revolutionary changes that we were seeing in the future of AI, metaverse, and Web3. I was already a member of the World of Women community and was so honored to have the opportunity to help take this project from a well-loved community to a global brand and business. What an inspiring story for both of you all. And, you know, when I saw your cool activation in Lisbon last week, I contacted Sam right away and said, we have to get these two amazing women on to share the spirit of this partnership and sort of what got them here today. And you know, when I was thinking a little bit more about it, um, Shannon, you were previously at Meta and Tatiana, you're at LVMH. And both of these two massive companies were actually early movers in participating in this sort of like early days of NFT culture, of Web3 culture in the Web3 community, you know, even like well before sort of what you all are building in. And I'm curious what inspired each of you all to start looking into this world of Web3 into digital first communities. Was it more of a professional push or a personal sort of attraction to the space? So I was lucky to come into Silicon Valley. I was in Silicon Valley in 2004. And what was great about being there, it was sort of post-crash of the early 2000s, but it was really in build mode, you know, exchange of ideas, new concepts. I think there were a lot of internet businesses that were still born in that day that were experimenting and trying new things. And when I started to see how consumer behavior was changing and people were thinking about, you know, new types of ownership through NFTs, new types of innovative communities that were really connecting globally first, but then activating locally, I started to get the spidey sense, the same feeling that I had at the early days of Silicon Valley, that there's tons of innovation happening. People are creating together, they're innovating. And I think like Tatiana said, in terms of her career, you know, I think when you really focus on where you can learn, innovate and grow, that's when you do your best work. So when I saw that, you know, surely in my time at Meta, I was there for a huge transition, right? We were Facebook when I started and then we transitioned while I was there to Metaverse and make this big bend into the Metaverse. So I sort of saw that, you know, we're regardless of what I did, you know, technology was going to keep moving and we were going to have new innovations. But I also felt that I wanted to get back to the mission that I had when I first joined tech, which was using new technology to positively impact people's lives. When I joined Google, it was all about democratizing information and making it accessible to everyone and the power that we gave to the people because of that. And I see that what World of Women is doing is taking, you know, the new ownership that we have in Web3 and making it accessible 
to all people. And one of the reasons why we're inspired to work with Cloudy Bay is they share our values of using new ways of innovating and connecting people to achieve these types of equity for everyone. Tatiana, before you answer, I want to ask this question, because I think what's really interesting about both of you is this is our 30th episode, by the way. So now we're doing this for quite a bit. And I think we do see a commonality, and I think this speaks, Tatiana, to your background as well, of people who are in innovation roles specifically continue to try and find ways to continue to innovate, right? And the things that felt like they were opportunities but also had friction were the things we all like, kind of gravitated towards. And now it feels like this is that new opportunity. So Tatiana, as you tell us your backstory, I also would love you to like, talk similarly to the way Shannon did about what is it about innovation also that attracts you both to what you're doing now, but that also is in your DNA. On my side, it's really closely linked to my personal interest. When I returned from maternity leave last September, I didn't want to simply resume what I had been doing before the break. I was really keen to embark to a new phase and step out of my comfort zone. I wanted to learn some new things. So during my maternity leave, I conducted research to explore new areas. And this is how I came to Web3. I didn't understand anything. It was like, wow, it's so difficult. So yeah, this is where I need to go. This is exactly what I'm looking for. I need to go here. So starting in September, I began working with a brilliant 23-year-old web-free genius who became kind of coach. And I received some trainings. I immersed myself into the space. I also initiated a pitch to find the right agency to work with us for the next steps. And here we are, some few months later, really bringing to life this project. So I'm super, super happy. And I need to work outside of my comfort zone. That's really how I work. I think that innovation spirit and mindset is very important for me. And so, voila, <laughs> it was a great journey in a few months. I love that. Let's give a shout out to the 23-year-old geniuses in all of our lives <laughs> who inspire us and teach us about cool new things. That's an amazing story. And Tatiana, you mentioned that you've spent your career in various industries from fine tea, and we're going to need to talk more about that, to beauty, to now um, wine, and of course, the broader LVMH portfolio. And I know that you know LVMH across your different brands, and we understand you're in the focus of wine, has done a lot of kind of cool collaborations over the years. Are there any that have stood out to you that have been memorable, you know, not even necessarily in Web3, but sort of macro from a brand building perspective? Sure, absolutely. So LVMH is really at the forefront of Web3 and digital innovation in general. Being a part of this company is incredibly stimulating and it provides an opportunity to grow alongside of, as the best in the industry. So it's such an opportunity. I think there have been several very impressive activations. If I need to highlight some of my favorites, I could start with the collaboration between Tiffany and the CryptoPunks. It was so unexpected and it makes so much sense in the other end. So it's really great. And for us at LVMH, it was really leading the way to unexpected collaborations because so far, it was collaboration with one luxury brand, another luxury brand, mixing together, but it was really wise and prudent. So here with the CryptoPunk, like, okay, here we go. It was very unexpected. I believe that now Hennessy is also doing an amazing job. Uh, they are collaborating with artists, 
with Cafe 11, they are really doing great in this area and they are leading the way within Moet, Tennessee, because there is LVMH and Moet, Tennessee, and Moet, Tennessee is more traditional because it's wine and spirit. So we are maybe slower to go into the space. So Hennessy is really leading the way. And of course, I think we can't overlook the recent drop by Louis Vuitton. It's super impressive the amount of press coverage they already have since this drop. So it's very, very inspiring. I think it also put us a lot of pressure because we have to succeed as well. And yes, there is a part of failure. I really believe in innovation. We have to fail some way to learn. But at LVMH, I believe that some many, many people are so talented that it's so much pressure to do as good as them. So that's why for Cloudy Bay in the wine division, we are here to learn and we wanted to collaborate with a well-established community in the Web3, the world of women, and to come with a lot of humility. We are here to learn. We are not experts. We are good at making wine and drinking wine as well. But for Web3, we are here to learn and to co-build with people. So a lot of humility, let's get step after step. But you understood that my way of working could be quite fast. So yes, we need to take time. But in a few weeks or few months, it would be better to learn quick. <laughs> and Shannon, you guys have done a fair amount of collaboration yourselves. And you come out of a culture pre this where I think also, you know, finding people who kind of express creativity was also intrinsic in the success of the bigger brands that you were with. So can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the collaborations you had prior to the Cloudy Bay one? And then we'll get into that. Absolutely. I mean, I think what is so inspiring for me, I mean, you know, hearing about Tatiana's journey and also about, you know, LVMH is we often talk about that transition between Web 2 to Web 3. But really, most of the iconic brands have been there pre-Web and have found ways to innovate and be successful with consumers and speak to brands and cultures outside of what technological era that we're in. And so what I've seen, you know, kind of in Web3 and with WOW is that, you know, brands are learning that culture is changing yet again. You know, we're not marketing to consumers. You know, we're really wanting to connect with communities that are creators and owners and, you know, having the spirit of co-creation, of being open to learning and saying, hey, I'm going to find a community that is mission aligned, like World of women agree on our mission of equality and representation, and then just start to co-create with the creators and artists and builders. So some of the ones that we've done to date, we did one with Nicole Ritchie's House of Harlow line. You know, we love that it's a female-owned brand connecting with World of Women, which is the first female-led woman PFP founded by our artist, Diam Karkai. They did a capsule collection, including jewelry, tote bags, and it was just a great opportunity to see how can two women-led brands co-create in service of their community. And that's what we keep finding. I think that the next partnership that we will do is with MasterCard. We actually partnered with them to create a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for an artist from the WOW Network to appear live on the CanLion main stage, co-creating art that will be minted as a WOW and MasterCard NFT. And for that, it's creating a game-changing opportunity and visibility for an up-and-coming creator to grow her career. So for us, I think whether it's fantastic wine and community experiences with Cloudy Bay or opportunities with MasterCard that are growing our community's career. You know, we're really looking to create brand partnerships that elevate the WOW community and allow brands to connect with people in deeply purpose-driven ways. 
Yeah. And just almost building off of Tatiana's point is sometimes those unexpected collaborations that end up being such a mission aligned fit that really resonate with consumers. So I love those examples. And of course, I love the WOW Monopoly collaboration. Very fun, very on brand and bringing it to life in a whole new sort of physical format, moving from a digital first brand. So you all have done all of these incredible collaborations and activations and long-term sort of thinking and partnerships. Why was NFC Lisbon the right place to bring this to life? Would love to hear a little bit of sort of what inspired you all to use that as a jumping off point. Other than the fact that Tatiana, I am assuming that you are based in Europe. Yeah, so I'm based in Paris and everything happened very quickly and smoothly, which was quite incredible considering that we did it all remotely. So from uh, yeah, Lisbon, Paris, uh, Shannon in Miami. So on my end, I had initiated discussions with the NFC Lisbon regarding the potential sponsorship of the event. And we also had started conversation with World of Women. And like magic, suddenly everything fell into place. We quickly switched into project mode with our agency. And within a few weeks, everything was live in Lisbon. So it was a great timing because it's a major event in the web free industry in the world. It was very convenient because it was in Europe and where Rafael Adelina from World of Roman are living. Like everything was so smooth. Okay, let's go to Lisbon. NFC is very convenient. It's great. They have a great community. They were expecting almost 5,000 attendees, which was great for us to launch a new project. So yeah, it was not really calculated. Like it was the best way and the best move for everyone. And I think we all followed our instincts. Yeah, it was truly beautiful and it felt right for WOW. Lisbon is where many of the co-founders of World of Women live. So there was a comfort and familiarity with the space as well. For those who weren't at the activation, we co-created a exhibit that was featured at the conference with WOWs from the community, as well as art from New Zealand artists in the WOW community, creating a beautiful space. It was right next to a bar where if you have a WOW, you were able to token-gated receive a free glass of Cloudy Bay wine. And then we also did a special private event at a secret home nearby, and it was an opportunity for the WOW community to come together. Many of them are connected globally, but really meet locally at these type of events. And so it was an opportunity for them to come have Michelin star chef food, have beautiful wine, and then really get to connect and fuel each other. We got a lot of great feedback after the event that it was one of the most special of NSC Lisbon. And I did get many people coming up to me after saying that they were having extreme FOMO because they hadn't been to the event, but they had heard about it from many other people. So all great thanks to Tatiana and the Cloudy Bay team for really creating a special and secret opportunity for our WOW members to experience. I've been noticing that there seems to be a lot of correlation between alcohol and Web3. And not that we're all alcoholics, because we're not. But, you know, when I look at what Carly Riley has done with Overpriced Gin, Crown Royal, I mean, Hennessy did the FWB experience at Art Basel, which was amazing. Bright moments in Suntory in Tokyo just happened. It just makes me think about the importance of Web3 is such an online digital, but also so anonymous experience that you know, IRL really has become part of the DNA of how this works. And it seems to be these moments that are also from the brand level of the supporting brands like a Cloudy Bay, you know, they get to play this role of being the connective tissue of how these communities engage in real life. 
I guess, Shannon, just to going back to you, what do you think is it about kind of the IRL experience that encourages people so much to get off of Twitter, off of Discord and jump into the real life? I think it's one of the main things that we've seen has really made our community special. You know, we did a deep dive with community members, you know, trying to understand why they really want to join World of Women. And ultimately, it's to connect with the amazing women of the network. I mean, we're lucky to have Avery in our community. We have incredible women, not just, you know, kind of the actresses that you would have known, you know, Reese Witherspoon, Ava Longoria, great champions of WOW, but also innovators like Kathy Hackle, and then many other just really inspiring humans. And so I think, you know, we're really with each wave of technology, finding that we're able to find our tribe, you know, even better. 10 years ago, we used to spend one hour a day online. Now we spend about six and a half hours a day online. And that's really where we're finding our community, our mission driven, you know, the things that really connect with our values. And so I think it means even more to us when we are able to, you know, find a community that is truly aligned with our values, but then see them and be the, with them in person. And I could say, you know, some of the experiences that have been most meaningful and special for me in my life is when, you know, I meet someone who maybe I've met online, but never you know, seeing them in person, realizing who they are behind the PFP and then, you know, enjoying whether it's uh, the WOW Gala, which we had in Art Basel or the token gated Madonna concert that we did at NFT NYC, you know, that magic moment of, you know, having your community around you and then sharing these unique and life changing experiences together. That's so beautiful. And Shannon, I think that's how we became friends first. We were like digital friends before real friends. I I mean, that's becoming more and more common. I think it's always been common in pockets of fandom, whether it's sports or it's comics or, you know, gamers or whatever the case may be. But I think in the world of sort of this digital first reality for a lot of consumers, like they are making friends online, they are joining communities online. And then it almost makes those in-person opportunities even more special and salient and from a marketing perspective, also travel across earned media because people are so excited to be together at this secret villa, having their cloudy bay with their community, that they're very likely to share that experience on digital channels, whether that's Instagram or Discord or Twitter, you know, tag people. And that also has sort of a scale beyond. I feel like that's actually been this interesting trend where we feel like experiential is kind of back as like an amplification for these digital communities. We see that a lot with what we're working on at Vayner. As like the steward of World of Women, what do you look for in an ideal brand partner? Like beyond delicious free wine and experiences, what does an ideal partnership look to you? Because a lot of our listeners are brand builders and you know, it's a very different brief than you know, 10 years ago where it was like, here's what we want you to post on social media, do it like so with these keywords. I think the creators and the communities of today want to kind of co-build. So what does that ideally look like to you? Absolutely. So one is mission alignment. We want brands that want to amplify and live the values of representation and equality. I think a lot of brands made diversity commitments over the past few years and are really looking for mission aligned communities to help bring those life in an authentic way. So that's something that is critical for us, given that's why our community comes together. We also look for brands that bring unique value to the community. And I think this is where Cloudy Bay was just perfect, right? It's a unique perk. It's a reward. And I think that's where it starts. We're really looking to create an ecosystem where brands can come and co-create with our community. But it also goes beyond. I mean, one of the things that we're really focusing on is, you know, it's not just celebrating with your community. It's learning and enriching yourselves together. WOW is starting to offer token-gated talks and experiences. And with a partner like Cloudy Bay, that will look like 
you know, token gated talk with the winemakers, you know, maybe a special visit to the winery, things that are going to not just be, you know, a discount or a perk, but a meaningful experience that makes you better, teaches you how to entertain, helps you learn something and makes you a better human. And I think that those are the type of innovative collaborations that we want to do, you know, that are going to push the industry forward. I think that it's those unique experiences and things that have never been done before, right? We're in this open, wide space where, you know, it's not just enough to, you know, throw out a physical product, you know, you have to do something innovative like LVMH is doing where there's a physical and a digital, or maybe it's a new way of ticketing or a new NFC chip that will help people to connect to something different. I think that those type of brands that are looking to iterate and co-create and really break boundaries and do something innovative are the type of brands that will really love co-creating in Web3. Well, first off, both Avery and I are available for any winery tour. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Tatiana, so you guys have really begun your, you know, embarking in this Web3 journey. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of different divisions of LVMH that are doing that, which is fantastic. So thank you guys for also like taking that journey with all of us. What are the reasons that you are finding this an interesting area? Like, is it about engagement, understanding like your consumers better through on-chain data, finding new consumers that may not be part of the LVMH family? What are those sort of strategic reasons that you and I guess maybe the wider company is engaged in this ecosystem? I would say it's a mix of everything you just said. For us, it's very important to learn and to cooperate with the communities to identify the expectations. And it's a really a part of our digital innovation journey. So it might seem a little bit surprising when it comes to wine industry because it's very often perceived as very traditional. And I have to say, in many ways, it is true. It's a traditional world. And when I entered this industry four years ago, it wasn't an easy journey, many, many challenges. However, when it comes to Web3, I believe there is a huge potential because it has the ability to meet real consumers' expectations. Let's take an example. You are buying a $1,000 bottle of wine. You would like to know everything about this bottle as traceability, you are looking for transparency, where is it coming from? Is this a second market bottle? Are you the first to, to own it? Is it coming directly from the winery? So you need traceability proofs. And Web3 with a blockchain could be a first answer to very concrete utility for the consumers. They are also looking for deeper connections because wine could look a little bit cool when you enter a wine shop with all the bottles in front of you and no experiences. You are like feeling so alone in front of all these bottles. What if you could have an immersive experience while buying your bottle or while returning to home with your phone to have an immersion with our winery? So let's say Cloudy Bay in New Zealand with amazing landscapes. Imagine you could be there, speaking with our winemaker, looking at the grapes growing. So there is something very strong with the emotions trigger immersive experience. We are currently working on this kind of experiences and it's very promising. We can't wait to really go into it. And there is another connection with a digital twin. So we said, and we all know that wine is also for some people here for speculation. So we could control the second-hand market. We could know exactly where is the bottle, when it is opened, and with who. Imagine you are opening a bottle, you are receiving an NFT, proving that you are opening this bottle, and you could share it with your guests. 
elevating the testing moments and having these proofs that could be shared on social channels, for example. So many opportunities for us. And Web3 is so smooth for everything I've just said for a one consumer's expectations. It's very smooth. And so I really believe there is no tension between even luxury or wine and Web3. It works so well together. I went down a very deep rabbit hole on wine collecting recently through the lens, though, of Web3, because I think it's like a $3 billion secondary marketplace. But I think to your point, you know, there's that amazing story of Thomas Jefferson's wine that turned out to be fake, and yet no one wanted to talk about it because, you know, they didn't want to expose that they'd spent so much money on these historic bottles that turned out not to be real. So, I mean, not that I want you to give any alpha, but are you saying that, that you think that there is an opportunity down the road where provenance both of collecting, but it sounds like, and again, the tech of like knowing the bottle's been opened, very interesting. But do you think that that part of that future for wine collectors is the idea that on-chain provenance of collecting, trading, who's owned this bottle prior, all of that is coming into that collecting category? Yeah, I completely agree. Most of the people, they are buying wines, but they won't drink it after many years. So imagine you are buying a bottle of wine, but you are receiving only the digital twin and your bottle is safe. Because with, for the Grand Cru, so the great wine, it is said that one bottle is making three times the, around the, the world to travel uh, from a buyer to another one. So imagine it's absolutely not carbon free. It's a catastrophe for the quality of the wine, for sustainability. So imagine you are only buying an NFT, the digital twin, and your bottle is safe. It's storage somewhere. And when you want to drink it, you just have to claim it. So it's so convenient for everyone. So yeah, I believe that for this kind of collectors, it's a very concrete answer. And for us as well, because we know that the bottle will be drunk in very good conditions and not after two worldwide tours between one buyer to another. <laughs> so it's been stored correctly. It's not been agitated too much. All of you know, the things that could be challenging to it. And we just saw recently that there was someone who I believe took out loans against their collector Rolexes. That was a story that just came out. So in addition, you could imagine that this becomes a more tangible asset that people can leverage down the road. I mean, fine wine is like an investment class and there's a number of collectors and brokers and all of that type of thing. So Tatiana, it's amazing to hear your perspective there. I'm sure you've looked into some of the providers who are starting this already, but we've done a lot of stuff with Block Bar over the last couple of years. And just had my first one actually shipped to my house, but I love that they're able to have that storage and provenance because as you know, in the fine wine and spirits industry, counterfeiting is a huge problem. And this is a really interesting way to solve that as companies look to also maximize sustainability commitments and provide better sort of digital and physical integrated experiences for their consumers. I have a question for both of you. There's a thesis I've been going over in my head for the last couple of weeks, which is that, you know, pre-internet, brands controlled everything, right? They put everything into the world and there wasn't that much opportunity to get the feedback, right? And then there's that famous quote, whether he actually said it or not, of Jeff Bezos saying, you know, if you whisper in a room, no one hears it. If you whisper on the internet, 10,000 people hear it. So the minute that we got into even the Web1 world where there was bulletin board systems and AOL and all of that stuff, people started to have influence because they were sharing the things they love, but also the things they hate. Then you have social media where it's like brands had to then loosen the reins even more and started to, you know, they were very resistant in the beginning to kind of the idea of influencers and then they started to embrace it tremendously. Now you get to Web3 where it's like the person who might have influence is anonymous and you only know them because they're an owl with a top hat, right, on their PFP. 
And they might have entered into that culture through a secondary market that the brand has zero control of. So I guess wonder, because both of you guys, both working now, but also in your careers, have come from storied brands. Is there any lesson that brands today should be thinking about from the Web3 perspective of what does it mean to enter and not get too freaked out? Because I think it is something that is uncomfortable for a lot of people. But I think if you can embrace it and understand that there is that sort of variability, there's a lot of loyalty in the end in it. So maybe Shannon, if you could just start, I just like love your impression of what it means to be a more traditional brand in a Web3 world. Well, I will say that Tatiana and Team Cloudy Bay, I think, really did it right in the sense that they took in the spirit of co-creation. Because even when I look at how we started at WOW, I don't think that we were really thinking about it correctly, if I'm truly honest. So WOW, our goal is to be live up to our name as the most iconic global brand for women. We're going to have women all over who, you know, join WOW to connect, grow and thrive. And our vision is that we're going to have WOW in products across every category. And we're still actively seeking that mission. But when I look at how we approached it, you know, a year ago, it was like, we're going to sign licensing deals in every categories, in perfume, in toys, in, you know, every category. And we've made progress to that roadmap. But what I've seen is that, especially if you're working across big categories, it can take a year to negotiate the deal, a year to sign it, then a year to execute it, then another year to properly market and get it off the ground, which is great because we're building a generational brand and we're for that. But there's a lot of innovation and co-creation that needs to happen along the way, right? And so we really needed to have room for ourselves to really start with brands and say, hey, like, let's start collaborating. Let's bring our holders into it. Let's see how they want to leverage their IP. Let's ask them what they want. Let's get leaders of our organizations together and do knowledge sharing. Let's share that back with our community and see what they get out of it. Let's throw an event together and see what ideas everyone has for how it can grow. And so I think that, you know, I took that lesson in my myself. And, you know, even though I'm supposed to be the Web3 person, I'm still learning about how this can all work. And so I think if I'm a brand approaching this space, I think that give yourself the room um, like Cloudy did to co-create, you know, do something small that you can exit to to get a quick win and then build that roadmap where it can grow into something bigger. And also make sure that you have the ability and you give your team opportunity to execute quickly. A lot of times there's trends that go really fast. And by the time you really plan it and get it approved and execute it, that trend is over. And so, you know, think through when you're setting up your team to innovate, you know, hey, like, we're going to really get this off the ground in a fast time frame. It may not be perfect, but it's going to be in the spirit of co-creation and we're going to get great content and learning along the way. And that's okay. And it can grow. So I think if you start in that spirit, things can grow and be extremely magical. And Tatiana, just again, LVMH is a very curated company. How do you feel about not knowing your consumers from their demographics, but really just from the actions that they take? First of all, I think Everything around innovation and digital could be scary at first time. If we looked 10 years ago with Instagram, with Pinterest, it was like, oh no, we don't want to go there. We don't have enough content created. We don't know how to speak to consumers. So it's a part of a journey to be scared by everything which is new, but it's also a good driver for us to learn and to co-build. I completely agree with Shannon to say first, it doesn't have to be perfect. And that's something which could be very difficult to hear in the luxury industry. Like everything is about details. And that's why consumers are buying our product. But sometimes in this kind of innovative projects, it doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be genuine, authentic, and people have to feel 
what was the real purpose behind it. And I think that was at the NFC with the dinner, everyone felt the good intention behind the event, the exhibition. It was not perfect, but it was a great moment of conviviality and sharing moments. So yeah, we have to co-build and from our side, we didn't, but first, to be honest, I was hesitating. Should we launch something big? Like, yeah, we are going big, like Cloudy Bay for NFT collection with big influencer, putting a lot of money to succeed. And we didn't feel legitimate for it. It was really a unknown space. And we had to learn first. We wanted to say that we want to be where the consumers are and we want to attract and recruit a new, a younger generation of consumers. But are we sure these consumers are really on Web3? I believe Yes, but it has to be proved. So we wanted to start maybe smaller and with this kind of collaboration, because we don't know, we know some stuff, but here on Web3, on NFT, on the blockchain, we don't know. And we have to be super humble, start small, learn, accept to not to be perfect, accept some failures in the process and take all the feedbacks. You can have, take everything, learn, and for the next activation, it will be better. So yeah, to be scary is a part of the process. You have to accept it and you have to go. <laughs> Otherwise, you can maybe change job because it's uh, innovation, digital, maybe is not for you. But yeah, in luxury industry, it might be sometimes difficult to hear. It was not perfect, but it was great. <laughs> Don't let perfect be the enemy of great, I think is something that we say all the time. And if you wait for things to be a million percent perfect, you've honestly missed the moment a lot of times. So I love that. We always tell our partners that it doesn't have to be the biggest thing in the world. You can start by starting and you can start your journey. So I'd love to hear, you know, just as we wrap up from both of your perspectives, how this is an example of an activation that plays into your broader strategies. Both of you are brilliant. And I know you've got some big brain energy. How is this a part of the broader strategy that you have, Shannon, for World of Women, and you have, Tatiana, for sort of the wine division at LVMH? For us at World of Women, 50 years from now, we see that WOW is going to be living up to our name as the biggest global community for women who are going to join WOW to connect, grow, and thrive. And when I look back at the partnerships that we do, we're going to see that they brought value to our community. They co-created innovative experience and innovative products. And we created an ecosystem that helps bring WOW's brand into a global household meme. So I will remember this partnership as one that delivered huge value to our community that helped elevate WOW as part of the LVMH family and help our community grow and thrive, which I'm very proud. For the wine division, part of our strategy, like I said, is really to attract and recruit a younger generation of consumers. But it's not magical. We want to offer the greatest experiences. We want to trigger emotions. And I really believe that's where we need to go. We want to connect with these consumers. We want them to become advocates and to help us maintain our position at the top of startup, because for Cloudy Bay, it's the most sold Sauvignon Blanc in the world. So it's really kind of iconic wine. It's really great. But we need to look toward for what future. We need to recruit this, new, this younger generation of consumers. So yeah, it's really part of the strategy. And from my strategy, I want to learn 
having fun, meet great people. And I'm really glad to have met Shannon in Lisbon. And I can't wait for the next steps with the world of women. <laughs> Cheers to that. I love it. Cheers to that. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to join us on Generation C, share your insights, share your learning, share a little bit about your innovation journeys. Big fans of what y'all are doing and uh, look forward to celebrating and cheersing over a glass of Cloudy Bay sometime in the not too distant future. We can't wait. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks, guys. So Avery, thank you for helping to set that up. I thought that was a really fascinating conversation. I think both Tatiana and Shannon have such interesting backgrounds also. So I think just getting their general opinion on what's going on in the Web3 space was really great. What did you think? Huge plus one. I think that it's really interesting because both of them have this perspective of traditional sort of corporate folks who have this passion in the Web3 space. And I love Shannon's remark. This is something that I'm going to have to steal with pride of you're not marketing to consumers, you're collaborating with communities. And I think that shift from consumer to community is something that many brands are figuring out the right way to do. As we just see such a you know shift away from the vanilla of mass marketing being as effective as it once was. So that stuck with me. And Tatiana is a wealth of knowledge. I love that she credits her 23-year-old Web3 genius with educating her because that's you know always the mark of an innovator and someone who's open to learning from everyone to take the time to jump into this stuff. We didn't get the opportunity to talk about the fine tea practice, so we might have to have her back on at some point because I do want to know more about that. You know, I've recently been reading up a lot more on tea. There was, unfortunately, I hate to tell you, there's a lot of pesticides. The tea industry is just rife with challenges. Don't believe everything that the, you know, big tea tries to tell you, Sam. (laughs) Right, the big tea industrial complex. All right, well, with that, Avery, so nice to see you. I hope you have an amazing time at Cannes, which will be coming up shortly, and have some rosé on a yacht for us. Will do. We're going to have to have some cloudy bay on a yacht. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks, Sam. See you next time. All right. Thanks, everyone.